Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Praise God, praise God, praise God. There is no better news than that Jesus has risen. He's alive forevermore. Thank you again for being with us today. And we're going to jump in the Word today and just give you what God's put on our hearts for this powerful Easter time that we celebrate together. And and I'm going to tell you something, man. It, this is a little weird as we say every single week now. There, there is nothing like being together as the family of God inside of our church house, the house that the Lord has built here at Connections. We miss you guys terribly. Cannot wait. Man, when we get back together, we're going to just blow the roof off this place, right? It's going to be amazing when we can all come together again. However, God is moving today. Miracles are happening, as you heard in the spoken word. Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are making commitments to Christ through online church service. So we just go with what we got, man. We just make the best of it, and God touches that, and he blows that up. So thank you again for being with us. There was a, a, a local church sign that I passed by this week, and yes, I was out and about because we're considered essential. Thank God I couldn't be stuck at the house. And I passed by that, and I read it, and it said simply this. And I loved it. It just it stuck with me. It said, hope has not been canceled. Amen? Hope has not been canceled. And I want to add to that, it's not quarantined either. Hope is moving. It is powerful. It is changing lives. And I, I tell you something you already know. Our world desperately needs hopes, needs hope in these very trying times that we find ourselves in right now. Chuck Swindoll, the famed preacher and author, wrote this book years ago called Hope Again. And in that, he wrote these words, Hope is something as important to us as water is to a fish, as vital as electricity is to a light bulb, as essential as air is to a jumbo jet. Hope is basic to life. And without that needed spark of hope, we are doomed to a dark, grim existence, if even that. How often the word hopeless appears in suicide notes, and even if it isn't actually written out, we can read between the lines. You take away our hope, and our world is reduced to something between depression and despair. Hope is more than wishful thinking. Get this, church. More than wishful thinking. Hope is a vital necessity of life. It's a gift that God wants to give to you and me. And in a world that regularly writes dreams off as foolish and drains the hope from the heart with dark pessimism, biblical hope, Biblical hope is a voice crying in the wilderness. I love that. A word of enthusiasm for life in the midst of any difficult situation you find yourself in. And man, you may be in some of those right now, very difficult situations. Grab a hold of this today. If you want to smile through your tears, if you want to rejoice through the times of suffering, just keep reminding yourself that what you're going through isn't the end of the story. It's simply the rough journey that leads to the right destination. Solid Stable, sure hope. Hope to press on. Hope to endure. Hope to stay focused. And hope to see your dreams fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And that very hope is what, or should I say, who we celebrate today. Because the words out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tell us this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Pastor Scott, new birth. We are born again, and here's how that happens, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Man, I love that. One of my favorite verses of all times, we are given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he lives, the word tells us we can live too. We have that hope. We have that power today. So the great news right now is that hope is fully alive and fully available to all of us. And the truth of the matter is simply this. We always need hope. Someone said years ago that we can live 40 days without food. That's tough. I know a lot of you are binge eating right now, being stuck at home. But we can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. That's how vital hope is. It's a proven fact that people just cannot go on without hope. And in times of crisis, like we find ourselves in right now with this pandemic virus, it's extremely clear to me that we desperately, desperately, desperately need the hope of Jesus right now. The reality is that even in the best of times, hope is a much-needed commodity. Even when things are going great, everything's fine and wonderful, and man, all the great stuff is happening, hope still has to be there for us to move forward because without it, 
Without it, we have no, no life, nothing to look forward to. And just so that we're all clear, just so that we're all crystal clear and on the same right page, I want to clearly define what hope is. Because what I've come to find out over the number of years I've been on this planet, that our language here, the English language that we use here in the good old U.S. of A., the word hope has devolved into nothing more than wishful thinking. That, that's about the, the size of it. I mean, we, we walk around saying things like this. I, I hope it doesn't rain out our picnic. Or, or maybe something like this. I hope she'll go out with me Friday night. I mean, it's just wishful thinking. We're just holding on to that, that little bit of, of something there that, that it might take place. However, our, our word for hope is filled with uncertainty. But here's what I want you to know this morning as we move forward here. The biblical meaning of hope is guaranteed outcome. Man, I love that. A guaranteed outcome, as in it will happen. Not I just hope it'll happen or some pie-in-the-sky wish thing. No, it's going to happen. Let me tell you something. When the Bible talks about hope, hear me this morning, because you need this right now. Wherever you're at, you need to understand this. You need to get this deep inside of your spirit so that nothing this world throws at you can change your mind. When the Bible talks about hope, what it's talking about is this, an absolute surety. You've heard the old, old song lyrics that says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. That's the kind of hope that we have that's guaranteed it's going to happen. You can bank on it. You can stake your life on it. When God said it, it's done. That's the hope that the Bible speaks of time and time again. When the Bible says hope it's a done deal. Write that down if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. You don't want to miss this stuff. You don't want to let it get by you. It's not a maybe. It's an assurance. The hope of Easter is a done deal. We need assurance. We need that desperately in our lives, and biblical hope is just that. It is a sure thing. And right now, so many across our planet are feeling hopeless and helpless because of the craziness that's going on. And I believe a lot of it is media-driven. However, people are getting swept up in it, whatever it is. And they are losing hope in how tragic that is. And today, the good news is that the sure thing of God's hope can be yours and can be mine. We need that living hope that is only found in our living, resurrected Savior. And I want you to allow us this morning to introduce you to the anatomy of hope and what that looks like. The anatomy of hope, of course, anatomy being a bunch of parts put together. The most important part, perhaps, of the anatomy of hope is that hope has a heart. Well, the heart itself holds a special place to God, and we know that because over 700 times in our Bibles, we hear in the mention of the heart. It's from an abundance of the heart that our mouth speaks, the Bible tells us. It's with our whole heart that we are to love the Lord our God. It's from a heart of stone that God says He will soften it and He will make a heart of flesh. It's a pure heart, the Bible tells us, that we all desperately need. So if the heart is mentioned so many times in, in Scripture and, and so many times in the Bible, then we're safe to make the assumption that there's a big heart inside of hope. Hope has a heart that exhibits all of the qualities that he wants our hearts to have. He has a perfect, a passionate, a relentless love for each and every one of us in his heart. A heart that's compelled to come on the greatest rescue mission that has ever been commissioned. Hope has a heart that is capable of loving both the masses and capable of knowing each and every one of us on an individual basis. The familiar frame of John 3.16, of course, tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believeth in Him should not perish, but would have what? Everlasting life. That's the heart of hope. That's the heart of a shepherd. That's the heart of a Savior. And so from all of that, we know that hope has a heart. But that's not all that hope has. 
Hope has hands. Hands that touch and hands that heal. So many times in Scripture, we, we see that hope touched a, a sick person, a, a lame person, a person whose society had labeled an outcast and had thrown outside the boundaries of the city. But his touch, hope's touch, changed their lives forever. Well, you remember the man with the shriveled hand in the synagogue. He was instantly healed at the touch of hope. You remember those that had blind eyes that were told in Scripture. His touch, hope's touch, healed those eyes and opened them. It's even the lifeless bodies that hope reached out and touched and those bodies came back to life. And then there's the hands of hope that help. Countless times, hope arrives just in time to bring relief and to bring peace and to bring safety. How many of us could really use a hand of hope today. Hoping hands were pierced. Those hands were stretched on that dark day, on that old rugged cross, and changed forever what we call history. The very hands of hope were rent with nails that left everyone watching in wonder as to whether hope would still continue to even exist. So hope has a heart. Hope has hands. But hope also has feet. Feet that run not away from us, but toward us. We're the prodigal sons and daughters that walked and even ran away from hope. But we turn and we see at times that hope has traced our path. It's right behind us, never losing step. We're the lost sheep that we read about that, that stumble in the darkness and tremble on rocky paths. But the feet of hope, the feet that light those paths, the feet that steady our feet, are the hope that we have today. Hope's feet show up in the deepest of valleys, in the hottest of fires, and the stormiest of oceans. Hope has feet. Hope also has a voice that calls our name. I love this one because it makes it very personal for us on Easter. That the, the very hope that called out to Peter and said, Peter, do, do you love me? Also called Mary and said, Mary, it is I when she was looking there for his body in the tomb. Hope calls to the sinner and says, come as you are. I've been waiting with my arms open wide. Hope's voice whispers sometimes in the still of night. And it roars like thunder at other times through the ages of eternity. This hope knows the very name that you are called and perhaps more important for you today. Hope knows the name that you call yourself. Hope has a voice. Hope also has a purpose. Hope comes from the the, the riches of heaven's throne room to the lowly place of animals, as we know from reading the scripture. Hope's mission was to that he that he chose to accept was to accept and pave the way. He, he chose to rip the curtain and to rescue people from sin. Now we sometimes lose sight of the plan. We we fall off the wagon. We veer from the path, but hope never does. Hope is relentless with its purpose. It's brazen in its mind and it's valiant with every stride. The plan has never changed for hope. Hope has a purpose. So today as we know that hope has a big heart, hope has reaching hands, hope has feet that are riding and running to you, Hope has a voice that knows your name. And that hope has never lost its purpose. We also know that hope has a name. In our lives, we relate ideas and, and people. We relate to those things better when we can identify them with a name. Whether that's a, a person or perhaps a disease. Hope is no different. With the attributes of being a redeemer, a, a savior, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a healer, a bridge, the son of God, we know that hope, again, has a name. And hope's name is 
Jesus. Hope's name is Jesus. And even though Jesus died that brutal death at Calvary's cross, Easter is about celebrating the resurrection of hope. His complete victory over death itself and hell itself and even the grave. And he did that for us once and for all. Jesus is alive forevermore. And he lives to give you and me a living hope, not just for today, but for all of eternity. Amen. Thank you so much. And as we head towards the home stretch of, of this message this morning, I, I want to do so by asking you this question. What's that mean to you? And, and even more so, I pray that you're asking a question along the lines of, so how do I make this living hope mine? You may have been raised in church. You may have heard messages and, 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 and Bible teaching similar to this your whole life, or maybe this is the very first time you're hearing about this, this hope named Jesus, this, this person who came and gave himself for you. But whatever the case may be in your life, maybe you walked with him before and you've kind of drifted away and the fire has kind of gone out, or, or whatever the case is right now, you're asking that question, how do I make this living hope mine? How do I make it personal? How do I, I get that in my life and keep a hold of it. Well, I'm glad that you're asking that question because just like those very first disciples at the very first Easter, we must be open to receive the living Christ because we've got to open the door to the miracle of said living hope, which is Jesus. So many in that day and time were seemingly shocked that he came back to life. I mean, it's not, not every day that you watch someone be brutally put to death as Jesus was to walk down that Via Della Rosa to, to take the, the beating and the whipping that he took and, and to be nailed to a wooden cross and have a crown of thorns pressed upon his head and bleed and bleed and bleed like he did. And finally, after suffering to breathe for hours and hours, he breathed his last. not often that you watch someone die like that much less watch someone die like that and then come back to life. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. And so when he came to his disciples after the resurrection, they were, they were seemingly shocked, even though he tried to prepare them and warn them and tell them and, and let them know that, hey, it's okay. I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. So how do we make this living hope ours? Well, Jesus himself tells us these words in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe not, but he says, here I am. Man, I love that. Here I am. I am here, and I'm here for this purpose. He said, I stand at the door and knock. And what door is he talking about? He's talking about the door of our hearts, the door of our lives, the door of everything that we are. He said, I stand at your door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in. You probably did that this week. Someone probably knocked at your door. Maybe not many people because we're supposed to be quarantined, but maybe someone did or someone has in the past. And what you have to do is make a decision. Will I open the door and let them in or not? And that's exactly what Jesus says this is all about. I'm standing. Here I am. I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. Will you open your door? If so, I'm going to come in. Today, this Easter 2020, I want to remind you that Jesus appeared to these disciples, these, these followers after his resurrection, just like he appears to us right now, right this very moment. He appears to the hopeless and the hurting like he did with Mary and the other women who went to the tomb that, that first Easter morning to anoint Jesus' what they thought was a dead body. And even along the way, they were wondering and questioning, how are we going to get the stone moved away, this massive stone that the Roman guards had put in front of the tomb so that no one could say, well, they've come and they've taken his body and they're telling everybody he's alive and has, has raised from the dead and, and trying to pull a hoax. How are we going to get that stone out of the way? But to their surprise and dismay, when they arrive at the tomb, the stone is already rolled away. How powerful that is. And in their confusion and their sadness, there's an angel, a seemingly angel, that, that greets them sitting on top of the empty tomb. And he asks this question. And maybe you need to hear this question today. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? That's what this world seems to grasp for, something of hope. They're looking for something that will fill the empty spot that only God can fill in their lives. And they're looking for it everywhere amongst the dead things of this world. 
When in reality, the living Christ, the only one that can fill that void, that can give us purpose, that can give us hope, is speaking to us and asking us the same question. Why are you seeking after life amongst the dead things of this world? And man, their hearts were just lit up. Their lives were just ignited. And then he goes on and says, he is not here because he has risen just as he said. I'm telling you, folks, that is the message of Easter. Jesus is alive. He's alive to save us from our sins. He's alive to to bring hope back to our our hurting lives and, and fill the hopeless places with his life and his love. He's here to turn our sadness into celebration, our pain into a party. He's here to transform our hurt into hope and happiness and our worry into worship. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the Son of the living God, who is alive forevermore, and he's come to rescue us. That's who he is. That's what hope is. Notice he also comes in our disappointments. How many of you are disappointed right now in something? You'd pinned your hopes on something in this life. You had, had set your sights on, on, on a certain thing, on a certain person, on a certain relationship, on a certain job, on a certain whatever. And something didn't work out like you had hoped. And now your life is filled with disappointment and despair because it kind of consumes you. Well, the Bible tells us about two of the disciples of Christ who were walking down the road to Emmaus. And the reason why they were walking down that road is they had lost all hope. They had given up when they watched Jesus crucified on Calvary's cross. They thought the end was there and it was all over. So they had just thrown in the towel and they were leaving town. And then the Bible tells us all of a sudden Jesus just comes and begins to walk with them. He meets them right where they're at. And as he walks with them, he begins to speak to them. They didn't recognize him at first. But as he opened his mouth and talked to them, then all of a sudden the realization of who was walking with them set into their lives. And they said in their own words, did not not our hearts burn within us when he came and spoke to us? And that's exactly what Jesus will do. He'll light a fire in your life, a fire of passion, a fire of purpose, a fire that brings all the hope of eternity and all the hope of heaven down inside of us to transform us, to move us from disappointment and despair. I'm telling you, living hope will do that to a person. Living hope will do that to a person. As I mentioned a moment ago, we've seen some things die in our lives that We had pinned our hopes on, our futures on. But hear me right now, and please, please understand this. Hear me because I have lived this. I am living this right now. His plan is always better and will cause our hearts and our lives to burn with a holy fire that will not only change our lives, but it's going to change the world in which we live and exist and move in because his plans are always better. And why do I say that? Because their plans were to overthrow the Roman Empire, the Roman rule. They thought Jesus was going to come and establish an earthly kingdom in that point in time of history and set up shop, and they were going to be his followers, and they were going to rule the world. And that was their plan. But his plan was not only to set up a temporary kingdom, but an eternal kingdom, and his death and resurrection was the hinchpin that all of that was built upon. They didn't understand it. They thought it was over, but when he came back and he walked with them and he talked with them, their hearts, their lives were set on fire. I pray right now that your disappointments are destroyed, literally destroyed and removed from your life by the living hope in Jesus Christ right this very moment. I pray that joy is resurrected and disappointment dies that has consumed your life, and that you are free to live and enjoy and move and exist in the living hope of Jesus Christ, our resurrected King. Now, I know, I know this full well, that some of you have doubts, and some of you are skeptical. And to you, I say, well, take a look at a man named Thomas, one of the followers of Christ, the the doubter, the skeptic, the disciple who, who came from Missouri, the show me state, if you will. Listen to his testimony out of John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Here's how this went down. It said, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, and and I can almost hear them telling telling him in this way, We have seen the Lord. 
that, that just does something to you, right? We have seen the Lord. We see him. We, he's alive. He came to us. And in their excitement and their enthusiasm, they, they, they let him know this with, with a lot of passion, a lot of fire. They were pumped up big time. And here's how Thomas responds. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. What doubt. I mean, this is a brother who was consumed with doubt and unbelief. After all he had experienced with Christ, still he has this doubt dominating his life. And so verse 26 goes on and says, a week later his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with him. you got to be in the right places at the right time. Right, church? That is an important part of life. Earlier he wasn't with them. He was probably out pouting and sulking and, and, and thinking it's all over with. But thankfully, he was with them a week later in the house again. And Thomas was there. And through the, and though the doors were locked, the word says, Jesus came and stood among them. Man, I'd love to have been there. I mean, he's not there. And then, whoop, he's there. Not, whoop, there. I mean, unbelievable, but believable. So he's standing in the room with them. And he says to them, peace be with you. Man, I love that. And then he said to Thomas in verse 27, directly and personally, he said this. Come here. Put your hand right here. Touch the nail prints. Go ahead, touch the scars. Reach out your hand again and, and put it in my side. And then he says this. Stop doubting and believe. Man, that is the message of life. Some of you are racked with doubt. Some of you are in the grip of unbelief. And some of you have been there for a long time. You're skeptical. You may even call yourself an atheist, an unbeliever in anything of God or anything about him. But I'm here to tell you that Easter 2020, Jesus is letting you know it's time to stop the unbelief. It's time to remove the doubt. It's time to invite the knocking Savior on your door to come in and be your God. It's time to reach out to him and say, yes, Jesus, all you've done for me, I receive everything of who you are. Lord, I have some unbelief. Help my unbelief. Let me experience you real and powerful in my life. I'm going to tell you something. God will show up personally to deal with our doubts, just as he did with Thomas. Called him out. He said, Thomas, come here. You need proof? Here's all the proof you need. And I'm guaranteeing you this today, somehow, some way, if you allow him to, this same Jesus will come to you and he'll dispel your doubts and he'll charge you to believe in him fully and completely. Jesus, our living hope, is right here, right now, wherever you are. He's showing himself to you. Would you reach out? And make your move. Thomas had to do that. Upon the invitation of Jesus, Thomas had to make a move and literally touch what he said he had to touch. He had to move to experience it. So I'm telling you right now, make your move. Let God know that you're reaching out to him. Take that step. Reach out your hand. Open up your heart. Whatever it is you have to do. Now, wait. I can hear just some of you right now saying, well, Peter, Rob, that's all good and fine and everything, but what if, and it's hard for me to even say, but what if you've failed miserably like I have? I mean, I have failed God royally. Then here's what I say to you. You're in great company. <laughs> Amen? Because we all have. We've all failed God many, many times over. And here's a, a news flash for you. So have our biblical heroes. Many of those guys, I mean, you look at David and Noah and all these other guys down through the line, Moses and, and every one of them, in some way, shape, or form, failed God. They failed him in their faith. They failed him in unbelief. They failed him in actions. They failed him in all kinds of ways, more ways than sometimes we can even come up with. But the good news is that failure isn't fatal, and God doesn't just write us off and say, you're done. One time, that's it. Two times, that's it. Three times, that's it. 
No, he doesn't. That's what his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and his love, and that's what Calvary's cross is all about, redeeming our failures. And one of the greatest examples, again, every Easter I have to talk about his disciple named Peter. Peter who was bold, Peter who was brash, Peter who stood up when Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times, and he said, no, Lord, I will never deny you. I'll never walk away from you. I'll go to death with you if I have to. I am your man. You can count on me. I'll never turn back on you. And as Jesus was being arrested and they were coming after the others, Jesus, uh, Peter ran away. And, and, and just as the Bible said, just as Jesus said before the rooster crowed, he denied him three times to those who said, weren't you with him? Weren't you a part of him? Weren't you one of his disciples, his followers? Peter walked away. After hearing that rooster crow, after the realization of failure setting into him gripped his life, he walked away with his head hung low, thinking it was over. There's no hope. I've let the one man down that I swore I would never, never betray, never leave, never deny. I've done it. Jesus dies. Peter's living in that failure for days. Jesus raises from the dead on the third day. One of the first things he does is says, go and tell my disciples and Peter. <laughs> Again, very personal, just as he is with you and with me, if we will allow him to be. He says, go and tell my disciples and Peter that I am coming. And so the, the Bible that Jesus makes his way to the seashore because Peter had already went back to fishing for fish. When Jesus had already told him that I'm going to make you a fisher of men, now he's given up on that dream and he's walked away in his failures and he's going back to the thing he used to be, a fisherman. And the Bible says when Jesus gets to the seashore that, that Peter and the others are out in a boat and, and been fishing all night and had caught nothing. And when they got close to shore, the Bible says they're about 300 feet, 300 yards away from the shoreline. And, and Jesus calls out to them, and Peter recognizes it is Jesus. And the Bible literally says that, that Peter gets up out of the boat. He ties his outer robe garment around his waist, and he jumps into the water. I love Peter's faith. He's always just going for it. Even in the midst of his failure, he knew he had to get to Jesus, and he swims to shore from that far out. And when he gets to the shore, he crawls up the shoreline, and he stands up, and Jesus is there. Not to chastise him. Not to beat him over the head with his failures. Not to tell him, I told you so. Nothing of that sort, church. Listen to me. Jesus comes to Peter like he does to us, and he tells us, look, you failed. I got you back. I love you, and I forgive you, and I will restore you. I haven't given up on my plans and my purposes for your life. Don't you dare give up on them either. Easter's about resurrecting to new life. Easter's about resurrecting our dreams. It's about resurrecting our purposes in Jesus Christ. It's about knowing who we are and whose we are and what he has for us to do in this part of life that he's given us here on earth. It's about removing the doubts. It's about healing the hurts and the disappointments. It's about filling us with living, breathing, unbelievably powerful hope. And hope has a name. And that name is Jesus. Jesus, the one that forgave Peter and that is here right now, right now, to forgive us as well, to love us, to restore us, to commission us and send us back. Folks, that is the message of Easter. That's the message every day, that living hope in Christ Jesus because he is alive every single day belongs to us. Would you just take a moment right now and as long as you're not driving, would you just close your eyes? And, and I, I just want to pray. I want to pray for you right now as we finish this time up. I, I thank Pastor Scott so much and Pastor Joseph and our entire team today. You don't know what all's went into this day to present the message of hope 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power. You don't know, but I'm here to tell you a lot, a lot, a lot of prayer, a lot of planning, a lot of preparation so we could get to this moment. And, and listen, don't lose me. Don't cut it off right yet. I want to pray for you. First of all, I want to pray for those of you that say, I need salvation. You know, I realize today that, that Jesus is standing at my heart's door and he's knocking and he's saying, if you'll just open up, I'll come in and, and I'll be your God. I'll be your Lord. I'll be your Savior. I'll be everything you need and so much more that you don't even realize. So would you, you that are making that decision right now, would you just say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins I believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and, and, and raised again back to life on the third day. I believe that he is the Son of God, that he is my King, my Savior, and I receive him as that. Change my life. I want to be born again through the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that. For those of you who have been in despair and and just feeling hopeless, I just pray for you right now that the confidence and the power of the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, comes and invades your heart and your life. And it removes every bit of despair, disappointment, hopelessness. And right now, the joy of the Lord is being imparted into your life as never before. You, you, you just feel it. You know it. You, you're owning that right now. For those of you, for those of you that have failed, <laughs> haven't we all? But thanks be to God, His forgiveness covers us. His blood cleanses us. And His love changes us forever. Just as it did with a man named Peter who went on to be a part of turning the world upside down. Folks, failure is not final. Failure doesn't have to be fatal. Don't let it be. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're removing that bondage of failure off of people's lives right now and you're releasing them into forgiveness, God. They're, they're understanding what it means to walk forgiven, to walk new in newness of life as being born again just as you describe in your word. Thank you for that, Lord. Failures removed. Those hindrances are out of the way. And Lord, we see the destiny and the purposes of our lives. And they're going to be fulfilled through you and your grace. Grace. Marvelous grace. Flowing down from the Father above. Thank you for that, Lord. God, I just pray right now for the doubters. The skeptics. Those who think this is a joke. Those who think this is just a fairy tale. <laughs> I'm looking at you right now, and I'm praying for you right now, and I'm telling you, you could not be more wrong about anything in your life. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the risen King of kings, is here today to rock your world. Would you just give an opportunity and reach out and touch those scars? Would you just say, Jesus, show yourself real to me. I dare you. <laughs> You'll never be the same. You'll walk away from that life of hopelessness, that life that, that, it, that is full of unbelief and doubt. I'm telling you, this is your day. Move away from that life of lies and deception to the truth. Jesus is alive. Father, I thank you that lives are changed and being changed right now. Transformation is taking place. This is not some type of hype session. This is the realest deal there is. This is as real as it gets. This is true life. This is heaven and hell. This is eternity. This is all the stuff, God, that your word proclaims. And Lord, we understand the, the importance of it right now. There is nothing in this world more important than knowing Jesus Christ personally. Lord, that's what's at stake today. We bless you. We honor you. We love you. 
If you made a decision today, let us know. We're here to help you. We're going to finish our time out today in worship, and we're going to kick it in strong. And we invite you to stand up wherever you're at, to lift up your hands, to lift up your heart, lift up your voices, and let's declare the resurrected King together today and celebrate Him for all He is, and He is worthy of everything we have to give. God bless you. Let's go for it.
What a powerful, powerful Easter Sunday this has been. And we want to thank each and every one of you that were out there watching at your homes or businesses or in your cars or wherever. At one point, and I was following along on my uh, phone uh, early in the service, at one point I know we were over 100 viewers just on Facebook alone. That doesn't include YouTube and Church Online, some other platforms that we stream on. And so I want to thank them. For being out there, don't you, Joseph? Absolutely. I think we were up to about 150, 155. Wow. That is incredible. So. And it's because of the faithfulness of viewers and, and our church. And maybe you were online today and you've never watched uh, Connections Church before. You've never attended one of our services. You are our special guest today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being online with us. This is how we did church this Easter a little bit abnormal from maybe what we all had in mind, but I know this. I know that God showed up here in this place. I know that God showed up there in your home. And as Pastor Robert was telling the story of Thomas, the one who doubted, I looked in my Bible and uh, read Thomas's response. And I, I want to throw this out to you before we uh, go off the air today. Thomas's response to Jesus was, after he had felt the nail scars in his hand and touched his side. He said, my Lord and my God. I believe and I know from reading that that scales fell off of Thomas's eyes and all of a sudden the unbelief that he had wrestled with maybe for a long, long time dropped away. And maybe that's you today. Maybe for the very first time in your life or, or maybe you've been struggling lately, but maybe the scales have dropped off of your eyes and today, unlike maybe the times in the past, you believe and you are calling him my God and my Lord. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing like it that you could possibly have done. So congratulations on that. If that is you today, we want you to do something very special. And I've pulled it up on my iPad right here so Joseph could talk about it. It's the next steps if you go to connectionschurch.church. You can uh, look on our tabs, and you'll see a next step button. Uh, that gives you the links and the directions to follow. Uh, you can email us in this platform. Uh, it would give us the information from you, and we can reach out and get connected with you and walk you through these next steps in your life. 
So we want to know that you accepted Christ today. We want to know the change that's taking place in your life. And so right on our homepage, connectionschurch.church, you just simply hit the button right here that says accepted Christ and let us know that that's you. Now, you've got multiple opportunities because Friday night, we did a Friday night live service and we had communion together and we, we talked about and, and celebrated, if you will, Christ's death on Good Friday. You have an opportunity to go back on our Facebook page and watch that and invite some people to watch it with you. Maybe do a watch party, gather the items there around your house that you need for communion. And then your second big opportunity is to replay and rewatch this service. Absolutely. Go find some people that you say now that you've been online with us today. Man, I wish so and so. We've all got a so and so, I bet you. Yeah. That we, we were thinking during the songs, and man, what great worship today. Thank you to the team and the production team that's here. You, you had somebody in mind, and you thought to yourself, well, if so-and-so had, had heard that song, if so-and-so had been online to hear the message of the hope in Jesus Christ, well, you have that opportunity because not just a one-shot deal this Easter, but as many times as you want to replay this, you get those people, you send them the link, and you talk to them about it and then watch it again with them. Again, if you've accepted Christ today. Be before we go, can I just give something to the people? Absolutely, give it just, to them. Uh, as Pastor Robert was preaching, this verse st just stuck out to me, hit me. Um, verse 27, uh, Jesus stops towards the end. He says, stop doubting and believe. I think that word is a word for the people today. Stop doubting and just believe on Jesus Christ. Believe on his word, what his word says, and what he can do for you. I just wanted to make sure the people that got that. Absolutely. Stop doubting and believe. And if today was your day and you're saying now, my Lord, my God, the scales have come off and you're, you are believe. We want to know about that. Go to our website and let us know. The other opportunity you have in front of you, and I hope that you'll take advantage of it, is this afternoon at 3 o'clock. We are doing Easter Jam. Kids Church. And it will be on our Facebook Live site. So make sure that you gather the kids around. Gather as many neighborhood kids as you can and watch Easter Jam this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Until then, we love you guys, and remember, Jesus is alive. Amen.